thanks to Midriff's sponsor, Earthquaker Devices. Earthquaker Devices are continually identified as leaders in the music gear industry for their commitment to creating a better, more inclusive, diverse, and welcoming music culture. You've probably seen it yourself, right? They are intentional in this work, and they take the time to do it well, and you can see it in almost everything they do, right? From sponsoring podcasts like this one to their representation in social media and artists they endorse, right? And there's probably other things that you're, we're not even seeing, right, that are behind the scenes. And then there's their truly unique, creative, inspiring pedals. Did I mention they make pedals? They're made in by hand in Akron, Ohio by like a whole pile of really, really awesome folks. Their pedals are useful and easy to use tools for like any instrument as a guitar, bass, synth, drums, whatever. And they make pretty much every type of pedal under the sun. Whether you want an octave pedal, you want a distortion pedal, you want a fuzz, you want some modulation, they've got it for you, including a few super affordable pedals that you can grab for under $100, right? Amazing. If you hear folks sing their praises, there is a reason why. And I personally played Earthquaker pedals for over 10 years, and I'm proud to have them as sponsors on this podcast and to have been able to work with them as well. And you can learn more about Earthquaker Devices at EarthquakerDevices.com. Hello and welcome to Midriff, the podcast about gender, music, and music gear. I'm your host, Hillary Jones. All right. So today we're going to get right into it. And we're going to be talking today about how small businesses in the industry, in the music industry, can be good role models through something that is sort of like a weird magic trick, which it's not, but it feels that way sometimes, which is creating their company values. So we'll dig into that. I'm going to explain a bit about why they're important, how they work, and I'm going to get into a little bit more detail about a whole bunch more for folks in my upcoming online class, No Stairway Denied, Creating Welcoming Music Workplaces. So we'll talk about that a bit at the end, but I want to talk about values first because it is super important. So one thing that I guess has become really clear to me in my work with folks in the industry is that there are a lot of folks who maybe like, whoops, I accidentally started a small business, right? They were really into music gear, so they started a music store. They were really into building pedals, and now they have a small pedal company. They were really good at selling guitars, so now they're a manager of other people selling guitars. But they never planned to be a business owner. They never planned to be a manager. And they definitely never planned to have to deal with like workplace culture stuff, HR, diversity, equity, inclusion, responsibilities, and all of the things that come along with that, right? And, you know, as I've mentioned before here on the podcast, one of the most common refrains that I get from folks in the industry is that like, I want to create a more, you know, inclusive, diverse, equitable, welcoming workplace, etc. But I just don't know how to do it. And usually this follows up when the conversation continues saying like, you know, we really want to increase the diversity of our staff, but just nobody's applying and or, or something along the lines of like, we want to do a better job on social media, but we don't want to tokenize anyone. All valid, right? Very important. Most managers and owners, if you ask them, would say that they want to be a leader in the industry here, right? Like people have really good intentions. They want to do a good job. They want to be good role models for other companies in the industry, in their community, for their own kids, right? Like this is real stuff. But the thing is, is that they just get stuck on the how. 
So they're so busy in the day to day and how, you know, they've always done things with their own business in other places they've worked and, you know, the busyness and stress of running a small business, which is very real. You're basically like running around with their head cut off all the time. And, you know, as a result of that, they just they don't know what to do to get there with with this, you know, to create a more inclusive, welcoming space. Sometimes they even get paralyzed at the idea of doing something, quote unquote, wrong. Right. And so despite their sort of like real genuine desire to be a good role model, they just don't make any changes at all. And they keep on with the status quo. When I talk to companies, they are then surprised at you know, one of my responses to this like original issue, right, where they want to do a good job. The follow up I usually give to them is what are your company values? And <laughs> they're often look at me kind of weird, like, why? Why would you ask that? Uh, I mean, obviously, they see the connection, but it seems a little bit like a, a different conversation or a little bit um, more abstract or something. The response then generally is like either one, well, you know, we don't we don't really have any or at least they're not documented. Like we talk about things here and there, but nothing's ever been written down or two, they wrote something down years and years ago, but they just kind of like sit on a computer document somewhere and we don't really do anything with them. And so most companies then don't really think about their values or their potential values in the day to day. Like it's not all connected to some like major, you know, something that's been really solidified as an organization, as a company, but really they should be. And, you know, they can, it can help with like all kinds of things, like not just your workplace culture and DEI, but it can really help in like every decision that a business makes. They are, as I was mentioning, magical, right? So <laughs> I'm going to share out just like a few questions that are common to companies that values can help answer. And, you know, these questions are something that every company in the industry, they really have to ask themselves, all of them at some point or something similar, right? And there are many, many more than that, but this is just a few examples. And every single one of these questions is directly connected to, you know, a company's values and relatedly their commitment to DEI work, right? All right, so here are just a few of them. One, should we partner with this vendor or retailer, right? How do you know? Like, do you just like work with anybody? Do you have to have similar values? If you don't write your values down, how do you explain that? How do you make that decision, right? What's the process? Are you gonna work with somebody that makes, you know, like racist comments? Are you going to work with somebody who is known for treating their employees poorly? Are you going to work with somebody who, um, you know, treats the customers poorly? So trying to figure out how you're making those decisions or writing them down somewhere. So that can be really helpful. And you can always point to your values. And it might be that you actually decide to, like, implement this as a policy, but you're pointing to your values. Your values say this, right, that they can be used as a baseline for making that decision. Two, where should we source our parts, our packing materials, all of that, right? So this one comes up a lot too. It's like we have to get, everybody has to get your material from somewhere. And I think that is a big question for a lot of folks. And some people are like, well, you know, we're just trying to, you know, get a good price for our customers. We want it to be accessible. Other people say, you know, like we want to be environmentally conscious. Those are all, you know, some people are like, we want it to be locally sourced. And that's all stuff that can also be placed within your values. Three, who should we hire for this role and what is our hiring process? So this might feel a little more directly connected for some folks with regard to diversity because that is one of the questions that folks often ask. But 
you know, <laughs> if you really want to increase your d the diversity of your workplace, if you want to make it a place where customers feel comfortable coming in, where addition like anybody feels comfortable in the space, like you need to be clear about like what that looks like in practice. And there are ways to do it, but you need to know like, is this a priority for us or is it not? And that is something that could be embedded in your values. Four, where should we locate our new store and what should the space look like? So this one, um, you know, like the, the accessibility of the space, the way that someone walks around in it. I've talked about like, you know, space for kids or parents or, um, you know, all of those things are all part of where, you know, like the location of a store could really be connected to your values and tie back to that very clearly as well. Five. So what benefits do we provide our employees? Right. So are you providing, you know, if you say you value families and you value your employees, are you providing preventive leave? Like, what does that look like? All of those things are talking to each other, like health benefits, all of that. Right. So making sure, you know, like it helps you sort of figure out whether which of those things you're prioritizing and what that's going to look like. Six, what are our policies on XYZ thing, right? All of your policies are going to be coming through and filtered through your values. Seven, how do we treat our customers, right? That is huge, right? If you want to make sure that all of your customers feel comfortable in your store, if you want to make sure, you know, if that's connected to your return policy, your warranty, whatever the thing might be, that's all connected to your values. And I think you can see how that all, all of this, I think in my mind is very clearly connected to DEI stuff, but this is also something, if you just said this to anybody, sometimes people talk about DEI and they get a little like nervous and they're like, Ugh. but if you're just like, you're treating your customers well, all of them. Okay, let's talk about what this looks like. Eight, what type of new products should we offer? This one I think feels a little bit more disconnected in some cases, because if you're working at a company and you're like, we just make the things that we think are cool, which is, Great. But if you are trying to um, have this commitment to, you know, creating a better culture for music, you want to make sure then that the products that you're offering are going to be useful for a wide range of folks, which means then you have to do focus groups with a wide range of folks, which means then, you know, like there's there are implications of all of this. And it's really just giving you direction. Right. Nine, what does our marketing look like and who are we targeting? This also feels pretty clear. If you are saying that you want to create, you know, a inclusive music community, you want to make sure that you're representing that in a wide variety of ways and thinking about who your target audience is, right? Ten, what differentiates our company from others? So this one comes up a lot, and I think it's it is important because there are, you know, I'd like to say that, you know, and I think in many ways companies do have some similar and overlapping goals, right? People want to create a place for creative expression, all of those things. But what is it that you specifically are doing differently with your company to differentiate it yourself? And your values should address that. It's going to show people, um, employees, whoever, what you are and how you are different. So you can see how these questions are important to your company and the ways they're connected to DEI work, obviously, as well. Once you've written your values, you need to operationalize them. And we've talked about that a little bit in here, too. You want to make sure it's not just broad platitudes. So you can say that you have a value of respect. But what does that actually mean to your company, right? Like, ooh, respect, that's great. But, you know, sometimes those words are thrown around so much that they don't mean anything. What does it actually look like in action? What questions are people asking themselves 
every day at your workplace to get there. What does respect mean for customers, for employees, in your marketing, in your community, right? Making sure that you actually document this because, you know, it's one thing to just say respect. It's another thing to actually know what it means functionally within your world. After writing your values, you'll then need to make sure that they are actually shared out and visible to the people who are affected by them, right? So that might mean that you change the format of your staff meetings to bring them into the conversation. It might mean that you include them in your employee handbook or training manual. It might mean that it's part of your employee orientation. It might mean that they're visible on your website. You might have them like, you know, if you have a, a business or if you're if you're making a product, you might actually put them on the side of your product or like whatever. There's so many different ways that you can make sure that it's getting out and actually being used instead of just like set in a document never touched again. With that, the important thing to note here is that like the clearer that you can be with yourself, with your employees, your customers, the industry about your values, the easier all of your work will be. All of it. And you can think about this, like imagine... <laughs> Imagine this. So like one of the benefits of having clear values is that you sort of cut out a lot of extra work because what ends up happening is that like if there's vendors or like potentially employees who go to your website and they see that your values don't align, they're not going to try to partner with you or work there, right? It just makes it easier for you. You saved yourself a ton of time because you don't have to deal with this partner. You don't have to deal with this person applying for this job that wouldn't be a good match for your values anyway. And the folks who do show up, they will be in line with your values. And that's going to lead to like less turnover. It's going to likely to better partnerships. All of things are going to be better if you are clear about your values. But it does require a commitment. You know, you need to set aside the time and use a process to determine your values with your employees, other stakeholders, whoever needs to be at the table for that. And I will say helping companies work on their values is one of my absolute favorite things to do. And as I mentioned, in my online course, one of the first things that I will do is I will share the process that I go through with companies to create their values so that you can do it for yourself with some time and attention, of course, right? Like you need to spend the time to do it. Then the rest of the course is going to help you with some of the specifics for how you implement your values, right? So we're going to talk about how to do that. But then how does that fit in and how do you actually do that with regard to hiring, policies, feedback, training, a whole bunch more stuff, right? The course itself is really targeting managers and owners who are retailers and manufacturers, especially folks who, as I mentioned, like want to be a good role model in the industry, but aren't sure how. One piece of feedback that I received from the pilot course that I ran a few months back was that participants were really surprised at how much management-related content was in the course and how helpful that was. Most managers, uh, as I had mentioned at the, at the front of this, are really good at doing something, like they're really good at selling or building, and then they start the company and they're asked to manage other people doing the thing that they were good at. But management is an almost entirely different skill set, and most of the time they are not trained how to do it, right? So as is the case for most in the gear industry, folks weren't taught to manage and they definitely weren't taught to manage inclusively. So that's what we're going to do in this course. We're going to talk about specifics. I'll give you tips, tools, so you can actually be the role model that you want to be. And, you know, if you think this is a good idea, you might know somebody else who's into it. I've got a link in the show notes to get notified when registration opens up on Friday, April 8th. So the course itself then will run May 8th through June 9th. It's online and it's at your own pace with new modules released over the course of five weeks. Plus, 
Then every Friday, we'll be meeting up for a live check-in with the whole cohort where you can ask questions sort of specific to your company, things that are coming up for you um, over, the, <laughs> over the last period of time, over the week, general questions you might have. And then we'll dig in deeper to the topic as well. I am very excited. It's going to be a great community of like-minded folks. And I, I really just can't wait to spend time with, with everybody involved, with, with, which may be you. How about you? <laughs> My goal is, as always, to create a better music gear community. That's why I've been doing this podcast. That's why I spent most of my time in this area. It's something that I care really very deeply about because I think that music is powerful and I think that everyone should have access to it, right? And if you believe that as well, I, I hope, you, uh, hope you'll join me. If this is not your jam, I don't know why you're still listening if it isn't, but I still hope that you create your company values because they are so, so useful and great for helping to create better workplaces and industry. All right. Thanks so much for listening. And if you have any questions in the interim, definitely feel free to reach out to me at midriffpodcast at gmail.com. All right. Thanks again. Thanks again.